The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. We are back in Washington, D.C. What a wonderful week we just had uh, in West Point. And we were lucky enough and fortunate enough to meet some amazing leaders, approximately 80 leaders in the United States that really learned and shared their roles in leadership and how they step it up in their world as well as uh, their communities. So we have Clifton Macklin, who's going to be on the first segment. And then we have Christoph, who's going to be in the second segment with uh, his event. I'm going to share more about that. So, Todd, why don't you give the bio right now for Clifton? Absolutely. Uh, Clifton Macklin, Jr., Jr. And, and I hear that uh, he said that Clifton's are usually a little formal for him, so I'll let you work that out with him. But uh, Clifton is a, a John Maxwell certified coach, teacher, and speaker. He is a, uh, an investment advisor with over 40 years of experience in foreign trade finance specialist. Uh, uh, since 1987, he's the founder and president and chief uh, investment officer at Macklin International. And um, uh, uh, Clifton has also been invited to the Harvard Business School Faculty Club where he uh, was part of the Business Experts Forum. Uh, we are super excited to have him and amplify his message, Clifton Macklin, Jr. Welcome. Hello, how are you? So, Clifton, out of 80 leaders that were at the event, I have to say that you really stood out because of your story you shared and the humbleness and also just your, your ability to really connect with an audience. I was extremely impressed and so happy and fortunate that we were able to secure you on this show. I wanted you to share the story that you shared with the audience because, of course, we didn't have Amplified going at that time. Would you mind sharing the story about your childhood? Oh, sure. Uh, I'd be happy to. And thank you for actually for the opportunity to be on your program and uh, share my my experience. And uh, it really was a wonderful event there at, at West Point to be with so many wonderful, wonderful leaders whom I refer to as the Eagles, the Band of Eagles. Um, the the situation that I I related, which uh, I think each of us, if we think back in our lives to Sometime probably before we become adolescents, uh, we would be able to identify a defining moment, which when we look back at it and then look forward, we can sort of see that from a certain moment in time, our lives really be, are placed on a track in terms of the way that we think, the way that we function, what our commitments are, and it really starts with something that happens when we're, we're children. Now, with, with me, it starts with... I. I really 
detest bullies. And I put in the category of bullies anyone in a position of strength and power that abuses that that position of strength and power um, to place other people at disadvantage in any in any way. Now, the way this happened for me was I was nine years old. You'd have to imagine me today. I'm I'm six two and a half inches tall. I'm uh, an athlete. I'm a black male that kind of puts me in a, in a different category as well. And when I was nine years old, though, uh, I was really small for my size, which, which uh, small for my age, I should say, which is actually kind of common in my family. We tend, men in my family tend to grow late. So that you can imagine I was 5'2 until I was almost 18 years old, and then I grew nine inches in one year and kept growing until I was 24. But at any rate, when I was nine years old, um, I was, I was kind of quiet. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't shy. It's just that my, my temperament was, I was kind of quiet and sort of like an observer of things going on around me. And I was, uh, sort of a bookworm, which to the people, to the kids on the play yard at school who had a bullying disposition, I was sort of a, t- I, I could have been viewed as someone who could have been an easy mark. And they would have been very wrong, okay? And this one incident, which was the turning and defining moment in my life, is there was a, a kid on the yard who was about my age, but he was a head taller than I was, and everybody called him Bad Rudy. And um, one day, Bad Rudy sort of got in my face. He didn't touch me, didn't push me, didn't or anything like that, but he was attempting to be threatening, and... I I just don't react to threats. I mean, I I I don't I don't do threatening. Okay, so uh, whatever his decision was, he turned and left me alone, and he walked across the schoolyard to another runny kind of kid, and began harassing uh, this other kid, and actually was uh, started pushing him. And in my mind, when I saw that, I just said in my mind, enough, enough. And so I walked over. And I walked up to Rudy as he was harassing this kid, and I told him to stop. And Rudy looks down at me, and he says, well, stop me. And before the word me could get out of his mouth, I had basically I hit him in the nose, knocked him to the ground, and I fully intended to uh, beat the devil out of him. And there's an expression that we sometimes use, I was going to be on him like black on tar. <laughs> but uh, before I could commence to really challenge him as I intended to, uh, a teacher who had seen the whole thing basically, you know, grabbed me, you know, not not brutishly, but grabbed me, pulled me off, and and basically said uh, he was going to take care of it. And he, and he picked Rudy up and took him off, and I assumed that he was taking him off to the uh, principal's office. Now, what followed would immediately that really surprised me. Uh, first, the kid who Rudy had been harassing is just sort of, you know, he's just sort of staring at me like, you know, I had come in from another planet. And the other kids who were standing around who who had witnessed this, they started clustering around me. And they didn't say anything. It's just they were they were, were staring at me, you know, like, uh, where, you know, what planet did I come from? Um, later that day, at the end of the school day, as I was leaving school, I saw Rudy leaving the principal's office, and his father had him by the back of the neck and was sort of very forcefully taking him out, you know, putting him out to the car. 
And as he was doing it, he was hit, taking his free hand, and he was hitting Rudy from, from one side of his head to the other. And in that moment, I understood why Rudy had been a bully. The next day, I saw Rudy, and I went up to him, and as I went up to him, he actually started to back away, and I said, wait, Rudy. I said, I saw what your father did, and I'm really sorry that that that, that happened. And from that moment on, Rudy and I were friends. In fact, Rudy sort of treated me as though I was going to be his protector, and all of the other kids started treating me that way. I mean, this was not something that I asked for or looked for, but when the story on the schoolyard got around that I had basically stood up to Rudy, the other kids who had been bullies, when they saw me coming, they simply stepped aside. It was, it was quite, quite amazing. Now, from that moment on, I decided because I realized that these the, that the weaker kids saw me as being their protector, and I realized that whether I liked it or not, that was how people viewed me, and that I had a role to play. And so the way that they actually going forward, I mean, going forward many, many, many years, um, there have been several times in my business career where I have uh, been a witness to abuses of power, and. <clears throat> I will, I, I will stop it. I mean, I, whatever I have to do to stop someone in a position of power, abusing their power, I will find a way to stop them. Now, as an adult, I'm, I'm, I'm not inclined. I might think inside that I might want to grab somebody and punch them in the nose. But as an adult and as a business person, I have learned many other more effective ways of uh, bringing a bully to task and stopping them from abusing their positions of, of strength and power. That that's kind of the, the long that's the long and the short of it. And and it's beautiful. And I I am so glad you shared the entire story because you had an opportunity to stand on the same stage as Buzz Aldrin, the uh, the first Absolutely. astronaut to stand on the moon, and also General Honoré, Lieutenant General Russell Honoré. And I I can't emphasize enough when you spoke about this, that it hit a nerve for me because there are so many kids that are victims of someone that has low self-esteem and they're, and so you're not just the hero for them, but it changed your life. It changed their life to see that you can step up for yourself. You can win. There, there are dangers. I mean, you took a, you took a chance and, and that chance is what defined you. And well, it, I have it, another perspective on, on this, that, that, might be novel to many other businessmen, but it has to do with how my attitude about abuses of power actually applies in business and in terms of how we view our clients. And what it is is that when I, I really put it in the context of what the word client means, I mean, it has an ancient meaning going back to, to ancient Rome, but a client, by definition, is a dependent we think of it as business, okay, we're looking for people to sell our products and services to, but the fact is, if we treat those whom we engage to sell our products and services as clients, in the classical sense of the term, it also means we do business with them in such a way that we protect their interests. 
and they should well, view us as being protectors of their interests. I have to say, with that, it would be the most beautiful transition to Christoph with Five Star Service, but we're just going to hold off a minute because I want you to share uh, something you learned when you heard Buzz and something you learned when you heard uh, Lieutenant General Honoré uh, speak on the same stage that you spoke on, if you, if you wouldn't mind. Actually, could you make it three parts? One is uh, what an impact it's been for you to speak at Harvard and also West Point uh, with Clint Arthur, uh, of course, organizing that opportunity, and then also what you learned. Well, you know, first of all, uh, looking at, at working with Clint, I actually met Clint a little over a year ago at a, uh, uh, a speaker's conference, okay? And I didn't know him, but uh, in talking to him outside during one of the breaks, and he asked me what my interests were, and, uh, which, and my, my big interest is actually encouraging uh, business people to become mentors to at-risk children. My wife and I mentor five at-risk children, all except one have fathers who are doing very long or life sentences in prison. And we've been able to turn their lives around. Uh, that, that in of itself becomes a long story, but um, that's the story that Clint thought that the business people and the faculty and the students at Harvard would find uh, useful and could gain, you know, gain uh, a, an additional sense of purpose as entrepreneurs and as business leaders in terms of the, their impact on our country and our culture. Uh, and if I may cut in, Cliff, it, it is actually, sir, the reason you're invited to the show. Uh, he he oh, was completely not only on the mark, but your your choice of what you spoke on, as I, I just can't emphasize enough, it was about mentorship. It was about the wow factor. It was about stepping outside of your comfort zone and actually being of service. And I was inspired. I related to what you were saying, and I, I want the message that you said on stage to be echoed as many times as I possibly can because – you just went beyond what I even knew about you is that you actually have taken action and, and helped five children that are at risk. So uh, oh, yes. sorry for interrupting, oh, yes. but I just want to say that that is the reason you're on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, um, my, my, my wife, is Dr. Karen Gidney, is absolutely my partner in that effort. Uh, regarding regarding uh, Dr. Buzz Aldrin, Colonel Buzz Aldrin, and uh, General Honore, first Colonel Colonel Aldrin, um, you know he's uh, he's in his he's in his eighties, and this man's mind is is light years ahead of the average human being on this planet. I mean he 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 has absolutely devoted himself to preparing Americans, American young people, and probably and I think his attitudes are um, young people all around the world to think in terms of the future for humanity is off this planet and beginning to colonize other planets uh, in this solar system and, and presumably uh, in solar systems and other galaxies. So he's really, really uh, very, very present about that. Regarding General Honoré, now, General Honoré is a hero regarding how he really views the way that we should treat this planet and treat each other on this planet. You know, basically, his attitude about leadership is, as leaders, we're supposed to take care of those who look to us for protection. Now, it happens that his area of specialty in the in the in the military in the army, I guess, was in the um, 
uh, Army Corps of Engineers, and he organized the uh, rescue efforts and the recovery, and actually doing it in a way so that people's sense of security was restored, and that they viewed the police and the soldiers who came in to restore order as protectors, not as oppressors. And he very, he feels very, very strongly that the way that the, our country should use its power is to be seen not so much as the police policeman uh, enforcer of the world, but as the protector of, of weaker people around the world, wherever it is practical and, you know, obviously economic and practical and politically uh, practical for us to do it. I have so much respect for him. He used a couple of phrases <laughs> that I won't repeat on the, the air. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly politically correct. But, well, I'll uh, tell you what, why don't you, well, mo- why don't you modify those and, and still repeat them? Just well, don't actually, use any... One, one that he said that, I mean, I can say is he said, we have to stop doing stupid. We have to stop doing stupid. Mm-hmm. And he used that phrase whenever he was giving an example of something that people in positions of power or politicians uh, had done or are advocating doing that long-term simply is going to be destructive for us, you know, such as continuing to build housing developments in floodplains, uh, particularly with, with rising tides. This is not a smart thing to do. He said, we have to stop doing stupid. I was very impressed that you uh, said Buzz's name and then you went uh, that he's light years ahead because, of course... Buzz Lightyear is uh, uh, the hero that came out of uh, Buzz's <laughs> real life in the Toy Story. And then, and then you went to the future. He thinks so far to the future. I thought you were going to do the future and beyond. So I was <laughs> pretty pleased with that. You know, I want, to, um, I want to get a little edgy right now, if that's okay with you. Of course. So those two leaders that stood on that stage, uh, they would be pretty cool candidates for presidency, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're... They are phenomenal leaders, and I think they'd be phenomenal political leaders. And you had uh, shared earlier about uh, your distaste for bullying and uh, using power correctly and not misusing power is a better way to put it. So would you mind sharing how you feel about this presidential race that's happening right now? I'll be very honest. It depresses me. But the main reason it depresses me is that We've reached a point where, I mean, I, I don't know uh, Mrs. Clinton personally, and I don't know uh, Mr. Trump personally, but if if I could talk to them and they would, you know, actually listen to me, I would say what you should be doing is encouraging every American, first of all, to understand one of our core principles as Americans is, I will defend to the death your right to disagree with me. We're living in a time where, where the assumption that we have a right, but also an obligation to disagree, have honest disagreements. But if we're going to if we're going to have the right to have honest disagreements, we should also understand we have the obligation to listen to each other, to try and understand why someone with whom we have a disagreement thinks differently than we do. My father, when I was very small, my father said something that I carried with me my entire life. He said, unless you can assume that someone is clinically insane, whatever they believe from their point of view is to- 
absolutely rational, unless you can believe that they're that you can know that they're insane, then you have to say that if I was in their shoes, I would see the world as they see it, and it would be rational. And we need to understand that about each other, and we need to appreciate that about each other, and we need to have political leaders who encourage us to have that kind of respectful dialogue and grow and grow out of. You know, we have different ways of thinking, and grow, we should be growing out of those differences rather than vilifying each other. That's what bothers me about the whole thing. And it sounds like you're advocating that both those uh, presidential candidates would do well to have been at West Point to hear the leadership and the messages of not just Buzz Aldrin and General Honoré, but also the other 80 leaders that were there. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because... Both of the people who are running right now have vilified those who are basically followers of their opponents, you know, basically making very disparaging remarks about them. And look, let me tell you something. I am an African-American male. I have, I, I fully understand that uh, white America, uh, and I say Ang- Anglo-Saxon America, very rationally, feels that its culture is 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 being undermined. The culture that, you know, frankly, I mean, I tell anybody, I don't care what your race is, if you're an American and, and you you know, you've been your your family's been here for several generations, you're an Anglo Saxon. You might be a Saint Anglo Saxon with skin as dark as mine or slanted eyes of, a, of an Oriental person, but your your culture is Anglo Saxon. And so much of what has made America great has come as a consequence of Anglo Anglo Saxon <laughs> morals, ethics, and values. And and we should not be ashamed to say that is a fact, and we need to deal with it, and we need to basically say, if you're an American, there are certain values that 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 come out of that cultural legacy, and, the, and we should not apologize for it, because it's what's made us great. I agree with you. I will tell you that uh, timing's everything, and I saw a video at 4 a.m. this morning that said, said, in racism in one minute. And it was a one-minute video from a, a very esteemed educator. And she said, the only reason there's racism is because there's ignorance. And the only reason there's ignorance yeah. is because it's, it, the ignorance is taught. It's not a gene. It's not, it's not inherited. And her main premise was that there is no race of white or black or yellow or any other. There's just a human race. And the sooner we get that through our skulls, the sooner we'll right. actually understand that we're all humans. And it was such a beautifully... Right. Uh, uh, it was a beautiful transcript and communication in one minute of how we as a race could in, uh, and, and it all comes down to a choice of whether we want to believe what we've learned or to get rid of what we've learned, which could be ignorance and see the bigger picture that we are all actually equal. Exactly. I wanted to chime in on that. This is Andrea. Um, Recently, uh, my uh, father, for a gift, I got him the DNA test so we could find out our true origin because what we we had thought that my father was primarily Mexican and his whole life he had lived and been treated and thought that he was discriminated against for being Mexican. Well, oddly enough, uh, he may still have been discriminated, but it wasn't for being Mexican. It was for being thought he was Mexican, because here it turns out we're a little South African, a little Italian, and a whole lot Portuguese and um, Iberian and uh, (laughs) Native American. And so, you know, by the time that we started looking at all the combinations of what everything is, um, I am so glad that my whole adult life, anytime I was ever asked what I am, I have 
always marked other and wrote in the word American uh, because yes. I can, I, there's just too much of a mix of everybody and what we think we know and how we <clears throat> respond to others and what we think we're being treated for, we may even be incorrect. It's just, yes. um, so I really appreciate all the words that you've been saying about about that in general, and I love what you were saying about the uh, politicians, because any more politicians is about how um, the person who wins is a person who is better at knocking down the other person, and they're all guilty of it. I would, I want to vote for the person who only has great things to say about what they're doing and totally doesn't even acknowledge anything else negative. They would have my vote every time. Unfortunately, we don't have somebody running that's very prominent right now who doesn't use nasty talk, and that's everybody included, every, you know, <laughs> from Green Libertarian to Tea Party to, you know, Republican to Democrat. It's a well, lot of uh, hate words. We're going to have to cut to a break real soon, but I just wanted to say that uh, I had introduced you to a book, Surviving the Stop, which actually uh, is by Bobby Kimbrough, Jr., uh, a retired federal agent, and I want to gift you one of those books, Cliff, and I want to connect you with Bobby because I think the well, message that he is sharing is about not just surviving the stop, but it's about the attitude and creating your uh, the outcome from the atmosphere you create. And we've we've touched on this, but the way you touched that bully actually created a friendship because you didn't yeah. do it out of hatred; you did it out of actually compassion, compassion for the victim, exactly. and then compassion for the bully afterwards. So exactly. we're going to cut to a break right now, uh, Christoph. I, I welcome you to stand on the line and also even engage and ask Christoph about his five-star reviews, you're going to see the connection of why we put you guys together. And he has a, a, an amazing event coming up. So we're going to cut to a break. We're going to come back in a couple minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Where are you financially? Did you know that nearly three quarters of U.S. consumers have less than $1,000 in their retirement plans? No matter what stage of life you're in, listening to The Steady Investor can help. Hosts Mitch Zacks and Mark Vickery, along with their guest experts, discuss what you need to know to warm up that nest egg. It doesn't matter when you start, you just need to start. Tune in to The Steady Investor, Thursdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Wow, what a first amazing segment. We uh, just had uh, really an amazing time with Mr. Macklin, Mr. Cliff Macklin, and now we're going to be uh, joining our second segment with Christoph Byman, and he has an amazing event coming up. It's uh, Five Stars and Beyond, the Excellent Service 2016 event. Uh, excel, el- uh, elevate, and accentuate, and accelerate, and ablerate everything. Man, Christoph, <laughs> you went all out with this one. So, uh, Todd, would you be kind enough to share the, the bio for Christoph, and we'll bring him in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Christoph is he's a speaker, as uh, we will certainly find out on <laughs> how, how uh, upbeat and uh, uh, outgoing he is. He's an author of a book called Getting to Wow!, Everybody wins with five-star service. He's a service and hospitality expert, and this is my favorite. He's a service elevator. No, that's not elevator, O-R, it's E-R. That's a service elevator. Christoph believes that regardless of the type of restaurant or establishment you have, five-star service should always be the goal. He's uh, our elevator, our service elevator to the top uh, this afternoon. Christoph, Welcome. Thank you, well, thank you, Todd. It's, that's uh, that was a very nice intro. I appreciate well, first it. First off, I guess the big question probably our audience has is, uh, it was probably a pretty dif- difficult decision that you had to make whether you were going to be an elevator or an elevator. And uh, I just want to know: was that like a, a five-year or ten-year decision, or how did you come about actually making that shift? I, I'm not sure. I'm catching the question. Well, um, you know, an elevator, uh, just going up and down in a, in a hotel, right. you could have been that. Got it, and got it, got it, got it. Not, Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> little, uh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that is my moniker. I call myself a service elevator, and I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, for uh, I, 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 Most of my clientele initially were restaurants, helping them elevate their service and hospitality to five-star level. So I call on businesses. I call on restaurants. I walked into a restaurant here in Vegas, gave my card to the receptionist, and asked for the general manager. She came back a few minutes later, and she said, oh, well, he said we're only one floor. (laughs) And I said, okay, then I guess you don't need me, right? But, yeah, there's a difference between being an elevator and an elevator and my, everything that I do is all about elevating both service and hospitality and customer service as well as the perception of the industry and specifically hospitality because a lot of times people look at the hospitality industry 
as being not as glamorous, not as noble, not as uh, prestigious. You know, you hear people saying if they're working in a restaurant and they're not the owner or the general manager, there's oftentimes this perception that maybe they didn't go to college. Maybe they, it's not a real job, et cetera. And I know that what everybody in the service industry does is, has great value, and they actually uh, do a whole lot more than just what is apparent on the outside, but there's actually a deep spiritual um, basis for service um, in addition to just the mechanics of serving someone food or providing customer service at a retail outlet or something like that, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I want to tell you that you stand out as a, a true leader, an author who cares, a person who actually gives their heart to everything they do. You've been complimented by uh, Peter Anthony and, and, and his wife as one of their favorite mm. uh, people that helps run the event that you will change the world. I met you originally at Speaking Empire. I remember yes. how much you stood out from so many other leaders and speakers because you came over to me and you gave me your book and you said, I'd like, to, I'd like you to get to know me better. You gave me your book uh, about five-star service. Wow. And I think you've seen that not only do I relate to it, but I promote it as much as I possibly can. And I, I loved the story you shared. I, we're going to get into as much as we can in this hour, but I want to let you know you're not really just a guest on this show. You were on the, uh, the show last week with Peter Anthony. You're on the show today. You're going to be on many more shows because I really consider you a strategic partner, a brother, and someone I want to do a lot of, um, not just business with, but uh, a lot of influence and in, in inspiring other leaders yes. to take advantage of what you've learned. You're a, a very complex person. You're a, a, a comedian, which says a lot about uh, why people love, love to laugh with you and enjoy your oh. sense of humor, but you actually just have one of the kindest hearts and you're a true giver. And so I just wanted to warm up the this segment just by telling you I really, really appreciate you, and I want to go as deep as we can in this 27 minutes that we have, but I, I don't want you to think that this is where our conversation ends, because I, after the event we do <clears throat> together in a couple weeks, I really want to bring you back on and a couple of the other leaders and speakers that you brought into the event to really talk about how that event made a difference for not you, but for all the people that participated. Sure. So if you would uh, start off with just your story, how did, how did this uh, become such an important aspect of your life? Why was that a focus? Ah, where does it begin? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, I'm in the customer service slash service and hospitality arena as a, as a trainer, consultant, coach, but many, you know, I, I started working in restaurants when I was young, as many people do, uh, in high school and college. Um, and maybe I didn't really catch the vision or see the deeper understanding of it at that time. But when I was 19 years old, I went overseas with a non-denominational Christian organization to be a volunteer missionary. And this organization um, really attracts a lot of young people to go into foreign countries to, to help the poor, feed the poor, um, medical missions, things like that. Um, as well as, as ministry, and most of their people are temporary. They go for, you know, maybe six months, go help build, um, you know, some houses or something like that. Well, my six-month um, adventure 
turned into about ten and a half years. I ended up uh, getting married. We, we, I went to the Philippines and, and spent a number of years there. I actually went to the university, studied at the University of the Philippines uh, as a linguist, and um, then went up into the mountains, into the tribal area, and taught literacy to the well, first of all, I learned the languages. I had to do that first, obviously. Uh, but then we created a literacy program for the non-literate adults of a particular uh, area of villages and taught them to read and write, not English, but their own language. And so that really was the beginning of my entrance into service. Um, you know, for you were just uh, talking about how you had the event at West Point. Well, those ladies and gentlemen there are in service, and we often say to our friends in the military and to the veterans, thank you for your service. But, and that is rightfully so. In addition to that, I have started saying to people who are in the service and hospitality industry, thank you for your service. Uh, and so I spent those years in the Philippines, and um, uh, I'm not sure how much you want me to, to share. Um, well, we have we a lot had to talk some, about, so just share a little bit more. <laughs> we have a lot I, to I talk want to talk about, about your um, I And so I spent many years there, and then after that, I came back to the United States, and I had the opportunity of working in a number of different uh, restaurants, but it was really when I started connecting and working with Wolfgang Puck. I'm sure all, everybody in their audience listening here today knows who Wolfgang Puck is. He's the, actually the original celebrity chef before there were such things as uh, Food Network and, and um, you know, food television shows. And, and many people know Wolfgang Puck for his amazing high standard quality of cuisine. But he's also known uh, similarly for high quality standards of service. And it was when I was working with Wolfgang Puck that I really began to understand um, what five-star service is all about. And it's not about white tablecloths, and it's not about champagne and caviar. It's not luxury doesn't mean five stars. Five stars emanates from within. And you can see that from a person like Wolfgang Puck because he's somebody who takes so much care and time and attention in each of the culinary creations, but he also takes care, time, and attention and heart when he's connecting with his guests in his restaurant. And that's what I began to aspire to emulate for myself. That well, that's awesome. Sense. I want to tell you that I have to give a lot of credit to, to Todd and Andrea because we've had an issue with losing a lot of our audience because a, a past guest had said, um, I'm sure everyone has heard of Wolfgang Puck, and anyone who hasn't should just turn off this radio right now. And we lost over half our audience. And so... What, what Todd does now is he actually blasts out his name at all, all times that we have a radio show coming up so that we don't have that issue yes. in the future. <laughs> uh, with that said, you can tell your favorite joke. <laughs> you can tell my favorite joke? Well, no more than five of your favorite jokes. But I mean, since you're not one of the Look, look, best, here's my favorite joke. My favorite joke is, Ken, I spent three to five, no, even more than that, about five years in L.A. Uh, while I was working with Wolfgang Puck, doing stand-up comedy on the side. And we know how that all worked, turned out, right? <laughs> that, is, that is not my current career. <laughs> I understand it's not, but I, I think that people love you because 
you're probably one of the funniest, if not the funniest, probably one of the thousand funniest people that they get to meet in their lifetime. And so why don't you share just one of the jokes you, you've enjoyed having experiences? Well, here, I'll, I'll, I, will, I will tell you this. Um, guess who I saw yesterday? <laughs> you can't do that to us. So you can't. Well, no. Guess, guess who? And it was in Las Vegas. Guess who I saw? Okay, I'll I'll bite. Uh, I already know the answer, but um, <laughs> who did you see? Everybody I looked at. God bless you. You know <laughs> when you use the when you use the host line, that's not as exciting for me. I'll tell you what. I'm going to stop telling you jokes so you can't. You stop using stuff that I already know. I'm, and that's going to be the punishment for that one, right? That's the greatest so, form of, of honor and respect is, is uh, stealing somebody else's stuff and using it in an effective manner. Well, I know that Peter Anthony and You Will Change the World uh, had an impact on you because you've actually complimented him just last week on the fact that uh, his support inspired you to create your own event. So let's talk about your event that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. I, I was just speaking earlier with one of our speakers who's going to be on our stage on the phone. And four months ago, I was in a, at an event that he was the MC at, not Peter Anthony, but this other gentleman. And I was kind of, uh, I was doing fine, but I didn't know what the next step was going to be. And here now, lo and behold, four, four months later, this gentleman is going to be one of the main speakers at my event. Um, but as for Peter Anthony, you know, he's created an amazing culture of like-minded individuals from many different industries, entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, speakers, experts in a variety of fields. And I happened to meet his wife on the last day of our last book launch event uh, here in Las Vegas about a year and a half ago. And she mentioned her husband. She mentioned Tony Robbins. I said, I'm a fan of Tony Robbins. My husband has been a trainer with him for 20-plus years. I, I was like salivated. Really? And he's here in Las Vegas? Yes, and he's putting on events here, and he's looking to connect with speakers and authors and trainers and Within probably five days, I was in Peter Anthony's office, and from that point on, I think uh, for a series of weeks, I would come and just hang out to connect with Peter Anthony and, and listen to him, and it wasn't like an official coaching kind of session, but after our first meeting, I knew that there was going to be so much wisdom and content and value that I would glean from him that... I decided I needed a notebook, and I have a notebook that is dedicated and now filled from my times of sitting in Peter Anthony's office uh, starting a year and a half ago. I mean, it literally is my notebook. Um, it's not official. It's not from a seminar. It's just he'd be talking. We'd be, you know, uh, just connecting, and then I'd say, I'm going to open up my notebook and, and write that down. And, you know, what he's doing with You Will Change the World is, is really providing an an opportunity for leaders and visionaries that have a mission and a message to articulate their message in a very succinct fashion that's fun and memorable and make it available to the masses. And um, rather than being somebody who stands alone on an island as their own, you know, individual self trying to market themselves, he's helping draw people together in the You Will Change the World platform. And 
from working with him, you know, he puts on events about every eight weeks. I had the pleasure of sitting in a couple of them. And then after about the second or third one, I was brought on to be a volunteer. And after the, the third or fourth one, he brought me on as a consultant to help create a five-star experience environment for the speakers, for the, um, for the attendees, for the uh, sponsors. And so we, we have a nice uh, partnership um, going on between, between what he's doing and what I'm doing. And it really helped inspire me as I was, you know, I've, I've spoken on other people's stages. I've been hired to speak. I've, I speak for free. I do training for restaurants and for businesses, helping them ele- elevate their customer service to five-star service so that they can increase their revenue, referrals, relationships, et cetera. But it was only a few months ago that I started thinking about doing my own events. And the way that that came about was whenever I was working at any event or even attending, like when we were at Speak and Empire, I would find a time, usually <laughs> at break time, to walk into the room after everybody else just emptied the room, and I wa- would walk up to the front and stand up on the stage. Sometimes I'd get shooed off by some of the <laughs> event coordinators saying, hey, you're not one of the speakers, but I would stand on the stage and look out into that empty room that moments earlier was filled and envision myself as one of the, not only one of the speakers, but the one actually hosting, organizing, and holding my own event. And so it really starts with the mindset, the attitude, the vision, and then connecting with people like yourself, Ken, who says, that's amazing. I want to support you. I want to do this with you. I want to make this an amazing event and make it successful because Frankly, it's very daunting. It's, it's, it's borderline overwhelming. It's a huge undertaking. So it's two things. It's over and under. It's overwhelming and un- as an undertaking. There's a little, one, a little zinger for you. Um, but I just got off the phone with this gentleman, Casey Eberhardt, that I was talking to you about earlier, who's going to be one of our speakers. And he just encouraged me that I'm doing what I should be doing and reminding me back to the vision I had eight or nine weeks ago when we started this, and that's about not just having amazing speakers to teach about elevating service to five stars and beyond, but also to create an experience for our attendees, for our speakers, for our sponsors, so that when they walk in, hey, it's not about the budget and handing out fancy bags with the name of the organization on it necessarily. It's about when they walk in the door to register, do we have somebody that says, uh, name? What? Name? Or do we say, <laughs> hi, welcome to Accelerate Service 2016. We are so excited that you are here. What is your name, please? Jim Jones, Jim Smith. Oh, my gosh. I've been hearing about you, but I've never had the opportunity to meet you yet. I'm so excited that you're here. And what it is, it's not just about knowledge. It's not just about the bottom line. It's about one thing only and, and, and the main thing. In my trainings, I have a slide that, that reads WTF. And I tell every business owner, every leader, every entrepreneur that they need to always be asking themselves WTF. And it's not what you think. Do you want to care, care to take a guess? No, we'll keep that for the second, uh, uh, the next time you come on the show, okay? Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us 
what WTF is. <laughs> it's not Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, okay. although that's important. Yeah. Well, a lot of people get that. A little Kenny Jr. moment where he goes, what the? Little three-year-old Kenny had picked that up there for a while. Yeah, he says what's up. <laughs> he, hasn't learned the, he hasn't learned the F word, fortunately. It's what's the feeling? What's the what's feeling? The feeling? What's very the good. feeling that your audience has when they sit down? What's the feeling that your customer or client has when they come through the door? And more importantly, what is the feeling that they are leaving your business feeling? If you know, they have... Go ahead, I was just going to say, you really, uh, we don't want to run out of time to share when the event is and all, and all, all that other sure. stuff. We also want to ask some rapid-fire questions, right? I don't think well, you really shared um, the importance of that notebook because what you shared with me offline is that that was your first notebook you had bought and that you didn't even know where to buy a notebook before you bought that notebook and that when you actually uh, originally took the notebook out that some people – thought it was a weapon and that you were threatening mm-hmm. that you were actually just taking notes. So <laughs> I think it's, I think that's an important part. So tell me the date, time, how people can buy tickets. And then uh, Cliff, are you on the line? I am. Cliff, you're going to be, uh, you're going to have the opportunity to ask the first question. We do a rapid fire of what's his favorite book, okay. blah, blah, blah. So um, go ahead and share how people can get to your event next week. Here we go. It's, it is called Accelerate Service 2016, e- and the website is E-X-C-E-L-L-E-R-A-T-E 2016.com. The event is Monday, October 24th, and Tuesday, October 25th, all day, 8 to 6 p.m. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is the night before we are doing a – it's in Las Vegas at the Sun Coast Hotel and Casino. All the information is on the website. We have reduced our prices – to $97. The ticket price value is over $600, but because we have some last seats we want to fill up, we're making that available for only $97. The night before on Sunday, we are doing a silent auction fundraiser cocktail reception with live entertainment, and this is to raise money for Three Square, which is our local food bank here in Southern Nevada. So this whole event, the fundraiser and the conference itself, is about what I call service and service. It's service as in elevating your business to a level of five-star customer service, and then on the other hand, it's service as in giving back and contributing to the community. Outstanding, and I'll just say this, uh, not to be funny at all, but to, to be very uh, congratula- congratulatory to you, is that you can't have a second event or a 15th, 15th event without the first one. So congratulations on uh, sticking yeah. to it, being the leader, and showing that you really are serious about uh, the theme of your event and making a difference in the world. So I will uh, turn the, the first question over to our guest, Cliff. And Cliff, any question that's yes. a quick question, quick answer. Good, Cliff. I'm here. Yeah, go ahead and ask a question. Any question you'd like. Oh, any question I would like? Is, yes, is actually, ask Chris um, The event in Las Vegas, what, what, are, what are the dates in the, of the event in Las Vegas going to be? Because I'm going to be in Las Vegas in November. Well, you'll be a, a half month late. Uh, it's Monday, <laughs> October 24 and 25, Monday and Tuesday. It's actually oh, okay. today, two weeks from today, we will be finishing up our, our last sessions. Oh, all right. And, and, all right. and since with our notebook, because I believe the notebook, we'll be able to fill it with great information. Is that correct, Christoph? Absolutely. We have assembled the most amazing lineup of speakers from 
yourself, Washington, D.C., um, Phoenix, Seattle, Hawaii, L.A. We've got all uh, Florida, St. Louis. Well, we're down to three um, minutes, young man. Let's go ahead and experts have experts in relationship Andrea, marketing. Go Andrea? Andrea? Yeah, I've got to cut you off because we're going to do a rapid fire or we're going to run out of time. So uh, we'll all go to your website so we can see those names. And I want to know, do you prefer white sand or black sand beaches? I prefer black sand beaches, but I've only been to one once. Cool. God. Other than maybe Las Vegas, Nevada, where is, what is your favorite place on earth? Favorite place on earth? Cayman Islands. I haven't been there yet. Wow, you picked a place you haven't been as your favorite place. That's pretty cool. Um, what's your uh, favorite two books? My favorite two books, number one, Think and Grow Rich. Number two, well, number one, the Bible. Number two, Think and Grow Rich. Okay. Cliff, you want to ask a question real quick? Well, uh, have, have you ever been to Bermuda? If you haven't been to I the have not. Are you going to say it's going to arrive in the Cayman Islands? I'm going to put that on the list, too. It's better than the Cayman Islands. <laughs> Andrea? I want to know what your nickname was that your mommy called you when you were a little boy. You can't, I can't tell you. Because she didn't have good nicknames for me. <laughs> oh no, that's sad. Okay, Todd. <laughs> well, we are we are going to have to wrap it up, unfortunately. I just knew we, you were going to start say the rapid fire too late. We start <laughs> start the rapid fire too late. I have to actually close the show out, and we're going to have to bring you back, Arn. Uh, that was a very good trick you did to actually reduce the amount of time we had, so you could be brought back, Arn, for rapid fire. So, Christoph, you're an amazing person, great friend. Look forward to having you on not just another show, but many more shows, and look forward to seeing awesome. you a couple weeks at the event. Thank you. God Thank bless you. Thank you all. Thank you all very much. Make it out to Las Vegas, and we will see you at Accelerate 2016. Have a great night. Thanks. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplify. Be sure to join Ken Rashawn again next Tuesday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go get your message heard. Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash the Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page.